So you've been up for a couple of hours. Is that your normal jam? Yeah, I'm a I I'm a I'm a five five a.m. kind of maybe an extra fifteen minutes of of laying there, but generally speaking, mm-hmm. I get up around that time. Any particular all, reason why you like it? The way. Yeah. Pardon? I was just asking if there was a particular reason why you liked the early mornings. Yeah, it's just my time. It's my it's when I'm most clear. Nice. And less fatigued. I would get you know, like I, I kinda keep to like a nine to eleven to five, six at the six if I'm feeling decadent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, it's all good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's six between six and seven for me. I mean, sometimes I'll I'll like end up leaning into the five thirty side, but that feels that often feels early. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, usually between six and seven, I'm waking up and getting it going. Yeah, well, there's a there's a kind of an a funny aspect to my experience, which is that I both love routine mm-hmm. and despise regularity you know? mm. so it's like mm. Mm. i get up every morning roughly the same time i make the coffee exactly the same way i mm. like listen to the sound of every aspect of it mm. and uh you know that's just sort of the nature of my experience but at the same time if you asked me like do you like regularity i'd be like no i love novelty and spontaneity <laughs> right i hear that you know like every now and then i got to i i want to just change all the furniture arrangements in the house mm-hmm. i'm like i i can't do it anymore people you know <laughs> i just kind of like this couch has to be over here now <laughs> and my wife hates that <laughs> she's like no we're not doing that. And so everything stays the same. <laughs> uh, yeah, I it's interesting, Brent. I I don't know that I I certainly love novelty. Um and I definitely lean really strongly into like regular practice and practices mm-hmm. and sort of structure. Um and then there's that whole thing of like finding the novelty within you know, the, the, the form, so to speak, right? Like, you know, when you are exploring the thing that on the one hand, it looks more or less like it does from the outside, but then there's so much variability Mm -hmm. in the interior, um, which goes typically is like really solid. And then I, I will need some kind of bigger infusion of, of novelty and change, which, Mm -hmm. you know, up until the pandemic was traveling with some regularity to go study something right so there was there was kind of like baked into that whether it was in my well i guess in my years in the daimi it was regular works with medicine you know Mm -hmm. which also look the same but are radically different in the interior but you know like traveling to study chinese medicine or some movementy thing and you know going to a different place right being around a group of people who often you you might know some of them but you don't know all of them so it's been interesting in this past year plus where like all of a sudden that particular thing, you know, so the main source of novelty, I guess, is who shows up in clinic, uh-huh. right? And how they right, show which up. Is, which is always novel. Totally. Mm-hmm. And 
And like, actually what that made me think of was the kind of a, kind of a, a common trope that I like to discuss with people is with students in particular is like, listen, you know, you can do the four gates, LI4, liver three, and you can do it because it's liver cheese stagnation. This is what you do for liver cheese stagnation. And that's like one way of doing things. And you could also do it because you have a deeper understanding of what is the dynamic of this whole thing. And why am I using the source point of metal and the source point of wood? And what, how is that affecting the whole dynamic of the chi? Through what avenues? Through what means? And that transforms your own experience and therefore transforms the experience that it brings to the table for the patient. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. the, you know, that's the novel within the, that's the spontaneity within the novel or no, the spontaneity within the regular, the yeah. novelty mm-hmm. within the, the familiar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But again, it just, to me, that illustrates again, even a deeper principle, which is what is the constellation of all possible events in this moment that are creating the field around this treatment yeah you know and to recognize Mm -hmm. like as you were saying one of dr hammer's one of dr hammer's um sayings is that or intimations i guess is that the greatest you know we we all exist in this context of coming to terms with a fear of the unknown or coming to terms with the unknowns and the fear and anxiety that that can occasion in us. If it is unmoored in some way, if it is not like actually met in a way that can suffuse that unknown with awareness, you know, anywhere that there's a place that our awareness isn't able to make contact with those unknowns can be fraught with, anxiety at the very least and the greatest of those unknowns and perhaps the most dangerous of them is what's going on in the mind of any person that we're engaging with you know like we'll we can never know that in the same way that in the same way that we can also never truly say that we know the full ramifications of any action that we take and what would it mean if we were able to gain greater and greater consciousness of the ramifications of our actions, both for us and for others, and then to be able to observe how that resonates into social fabric, community mm-hmm. and social fabric, mm-hmm. and, and field and gestalt and nation and world. Right. Cosmos. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I I don't know about you guys, but I well, Taryn, um, we spoke to this guy um, Tyson Yunkaporta, and like that's what the that's sort of the feeling that I get from his explanations of like the depth and breadth of indigenous understanding and living is is that like expansive understanding of the interconnectedness of all action and the importance of your action within that network, you know, Sand talk was definitely 
the best book I read last year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like unquestionably, I'm about yeah. um, um, a, a, a person I know here, Dare Sohe is starting who you might know from the interwebs is uh starting a book group getting a book group going uh reading sand talk together and nice. that'll be my that'll be my my second read i'm sure awesome i want to participate in that um like yeah that and you're also i i i was wrapped by your podcast with tyson Oh, I'm glad you heard that. Yeah. yeah. So it was so good. It was so good. It was a super oh, fun thanks. conversation to participate yeah. in. For sure. Oh my God. He's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just hilarious. Right. And, yeah. Hilarious and, and profound. And, and, and that's the thing is, that's the thing is the, the discovering the discovering having, holding that view, you know, I, so there's so many interspersing things, right? Like, so let's say, we take the concept of like from Tibetan traditions of view, meditation and action. And then we take the view capital V and say, okay, this, I mean, especially when you get into like the Dzogchen kind of practices and then, and then that's within the Bun and the Buddhist tradition, which is another layer. Mm-hmm. It's like, what about this? What about this description of Rigpa differs from descriptions like Tyson's of indigenous animist relational thought? Mm. And indeed, what are the connections? You know, are and even outside of even outside and also recognizing that A, there are there is archaeological, philological, language, um, linguistic evidence of so much greater connection in the ancient world, so much greater communication. So that's one thing, so that we can see how these things are all, right, like why can you look at the, why can you take the Bhagavad Gita and the Tao Te Ching and find identical statements in them? Mm like literally word for word and recognize that it's not like a question of did India influence China or did China influence India, but like what was influencing this whole sphere. Mm -hmm. And, you know, ultimately what that boils down to is exactly the kind of model of thinking epistemology that Tyson's describing and then it gets brought into like it, then it's like the fundamental base of the exercise of awareness in so many human traditions that it, it's an aspect of our very humanity itself. And so if we can dial down to that view level and I, and, and actually, yeah, purposefully I'm, I didn't say that purposefully, but yes, down to that level. Mm into down and in you know like that's the fund that's like one of the fundamental things about the shanghan loon that i find equally fascinating is that you have basically wind and cold you have basically the activity of wood and metal 
driving the system, and that's up and out and down and in. And we have to root that in the earth. You know, it has to be rooted in the earth. It has to be, there has to be that relation between, that relation between the Zhongqi relationship between all of those confirmations is the center, always holding the center, but able to perceive the, the poles mm-hmm. and to recognize that whole thing as one expression. And then when we take that view and apply that to whatever we apply it to, view teachings, for example, it's like, oh, that's remarkably consistent with that. How is that arising out of human consciousness? You know, it's really interesting. I've um, been listening to Benita Roy kind of start to develop this set of ideas, framing, you know, bringing together neo-animism and indigeneity and um, a sort of particular set of orientations to embodiment. Um, And one of the things that she's been talking about a lot that I find really resonant um, is this idea that, you know, in a lot of the traditions, we hear about our original nature. And often... Uh, I don't know about especially in the West, but I can certainly speak to this being really common in the West. We think of that as some kind of um, transcendent and like idealistic something that is, you know, primary, but in a way where it's like it's ineffable. It's like it has no substantive aspect, right? It's like this purely spiritual phenomenon. And her contention um, which I feel like really makes sense to me from a like Taoist cultivation practice orientation is that no, your original nature is like the trees and the wind and the rivers and the stars. And like, <laughs> there is no, there is no gap. Right. And so just like when my two hands touch each other, I can give and receive sensation You know, I can have like one hand be perceiving what it feels like to be touched and the other hand doing the touching and I can toggle that, but I can also find this space where giving and receiving are like co-arising, Yeah. right? And so the afferent Mm -hmm. and the efferent like meet in this liminal space. And so then she ties that to this, um, some of the cutting edge neuroscientific research about these global waves and and systemic patterns of the afferent the efferent right and so that like that this idea that again that we have this gap between body and mind her interpretation of this new neuroscientific research is like similarly you know just like the hands are touching we can simplify oversimplify perhaps that the afferent aspect of those global rhythms is what we call body and the efferent aspect is what we call mind right and so again they're co-arising. There doesn't need to be some kind of third person outside of the, you know, experiential frame, Mm -hmm. transcendent or primary phenomenon, right? Because it's all, you know, in this kind of beautifully processual um, and deeply felt way arising together, Mm -hmm. right? Exactly. Um, So that's kind of like, as, as you're talking about this and, and, 
that's kind of what is coming up for me and thinking about how, you know, in a, I don't want to like be reductionist or sound like a perennialist, but at the same time, there's a way where there is some kind of convergence that seems to be happening in this moment that we're all in together. Um, and it does seem to speak, as you were pointing out, to these currents of experience and understanding, not in, not in this way of like, everybody's saying the same thing. It's right, all right. just, it's all one. It's all the same, right? Which I feel like is this flat. I just have to interject that, that yeah, I, do. I, I just, it thrills me that you're like, not to be a perennialist. <laughs> that's, like, that's like my thought process all the time. Like, oh my God, is that, is that, is that some secret platonism coming into my thinking or like, <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting dance of right. Like really wanting to honor all of that and really to try to feel into the way that, you know, everything literally since whatever beginning or beginninglessness all has to come together and express in this moment for this conversation and every other conversation to be happening and not to be like, and therefore, Right. Everyone's right. always Just been saying the same thing for the entire, yeah. you know, history mm -hmm. of everything. Yeah. And, and then, and then to, to just recognize that, that the, you know, that the big part of that problem, the big part of the problem is how that's part of a, was such a expression of that um, colonial project. Right. And all right, let's, let's be done with that. Let's do what we can to dismantle that in our right. thinking a lot, like at least in our thinking and then in our action. Yeah. And I might say at least in our bodies. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and then hopefully in our thought and our action or our action and our thought, you know, like just to flip it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Indeed. Well played. <laughs> well, thank you, sir. you know i've uh i've been exploring um shiny over the past few months or at least just like sort of dipping into it I, I don't know if you listened to our conversation with tom Vizio, but tom's been my teacher in a lot of things for a long time and i had uh always eschewed shiny practice because in our particular lineage like the gate is 60 minutes of santi a day and i was just like yeah i'm not gonna stand <laughs> for 60 minutes a day and then you know something shifted a few months ago and i was like you know that actually sounds like a pretty good idea i'm gonna i'm gonna start working towards that um mm -hmm. and so one of the things that has been super fascinating about this process of of coming into relationship with santi is you know, I mean, having done some internal martial arts practice for a number of years, I'm not a stranger to things shifting in a lot of ways. And like, you know, stillness practices, movement within stillness, stillness within movement, more in a Bagua orientation, right? But um, many of my colleagues, both in Chinese medicine, uh, especially like in the Tuena world and in internal martial arts would always be like, no, man, Shinyi, that's the one. Like, that's the place where like all the crazy stuff happens. So I don't know that I necessarily think that it's particularly crazy, but this phenomenon of like, so in that it's, it's 
form intention boxing, right? And and the kind of the basic conceit, if I can be so bold, is that you're you're looking to do enough inner transformational practice that like there's a a translucence from mind intention to expression, right? And a sensitivity in this kind of reciprocity. And while I would make no claims about any level of attainment on that trajectory, I can definitely say that just the simplicity of doing this practice for extended periods of time, like it's really profound how much material uh, on every level is like just kind of arising and, and moving out in these ways where, you know, there's that interesting thing when you've done a fair amount of work in cultivation and not like you're resting on your laurels, but like, you know, you've had some experiences, you've seen some things, you've felt some things, and then you come to a new practice where it completely just like cleans the clock where like, it's as if I've never done anything ever. Right. And I know less than nothing. Um, so it's super fascinating, right. To, to, um, in terms of, and I'm looping this back. It's a lot of words to get there short story long, but in terms of the uh, putting the changing, like the decolonization of the body first, that while this is not a practice I would recommend to anyone that didn't have a resonance with it, I feel like it's so clearly a decolonization of the body on this incredibly profound non-dual level that it's like, it's, it's really, it's, it's rocking my world in some mm. pretty awesome ways. Um, and that's not necessarily something that I would have had any idea would be one of the fruits of this investigation mm -hmm. um, until I was a few months into it, you know, so that's interesting. Yeah. Well, so that's like the, the, one of the things that that reminded me of is that, right, Gebser's term for that is diaphaneity, yeah. right? That translucent, that light that's emerging from everything. Mm-hmm. If we can, if we can be present enough in our experience to perceive it, right? It's right, and that 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 original nature is that's what Gebser refers to as origin. Mm -hmm. It's it's ever present, and there are means of bringing our bodily experience to the table of that light. Mm -hmm. And naturally that's through, as you were showing it with your hands, right? That's like through that liminal connection, that relationality is where the light emerges to our perception. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the joining of the joining of, you could say, almost could say that we have this quality of attention and attention is the aperture through which awareness, which is unlimited in scope, right? Attention is limited in scope. Awareness is unlimited in scope. Yet attention is the aperture through which that illuminates what we behold, what we perceive. Mm -hmm. And from that, an intention can be formed which is not an exercise of will. It's the uprightness of 
the channeling representing will force and then form emerges from that. And so if that un, if the degree to which the, uh, the aperture of your attention can dilate to allow greater awareness to filter through the structural elements of embodied action or non-action <laughs> of embodied movement through one's body mm-hmm. and into form and then into action. That's the for that's the power. Yeah. You know, that's the, that's, that's the, the force that through the green fuse drives the flower. Veriditas, Hildegard von Bingen right. said Veriditas. Like, eh, yeah, that. <laughs> so in that, modeling of that process um it sounded to me and and clarify this if i'm not understanding correctly that so awareness attention and then intention sounded like so i guess i'm curious about in your understanding the relationship between attention and intention yeah in terms of that focalizing you know, opening and closing of the aperture or mm-hmm. expansion and dilation of the aperture, I guess, uh, constriction. So, um, well, just for the record, just for the record, I have the awareness, the awareness attention uh, algorithm is a common one that I think and speak about a lot. Adding mm. the intention to it in that context is new. Cool. Um, just happened. Breaking news right here. Breaking news. <laughs> Learning new things here in the Apricot Jam. It's how we like it. Um, however, however, um, I have this term that is derived from Gebser, which when I and so when I say derived from Gebser, I mean I was like in the throes of writing the paper that I shared with you. Yeah. And I was like, holy cow, what am I going to do? I better contact Gebser. So like, you know, like, okay, sat down, let's talk. And I got some like really clear messages. And one of them was, one of them was giving me this phrase, a causal intention. Mm. And that's a, that's a typically, that's typically Gebserian enough to be like, okay, that was definitely the real deal. Um, uh, and can, yet, I, can I pin that for one second and say for yeah, folks yeah. that don't know Gebser that well, myself included, um, mm-hmm. the A prefix in yeah. at least my understanding is, is not without or not. It's more like free from. Indeed. Is that accurate? Indeed. Okay. Because yeah. that feels like an important distinction. For the right. Well, so you know, uh, it's not. I, it, I, I, I run into these descriptions of. I run into these reiterations of Wilbur's a perspectival madness, and it, mm-hmm. nothing makes me more. Nothing agitates me more than that. Actually, yeah. Um, when I know that, what because of, because I, because of knowing the source of that term and it's completely different meaning from a Gebserian context. Right. Um, so 
let's see now. Um, so a causal intention. Um, a causal intention is being present to that field. That's so. It's this is in the context of treatment, right? Mm-hmm. Like being present. That means you are totally, totally present with the insertion of the needle. Totally present to what's occurring at the tip of the needle. Totally present to the physical sensation of the physical tissue. Totally present to the sensation of immaterial sensation. Totally present to the quality of movement which is beginning to emerge. Totally present to the rhythm that we could liken to a craniosacral rhythm, which is the yin and yang expressing itself as breath totally present to all the experiences happening in your body, the physical sensations happening in your body, totally aware of how that relates to the circumstances that the patient is experiencing. And then also equally totally aware to sound, vision, anything that comes, any, any symbolic set, including sensation that comes into your experience in that moment. And that's like what drives the manipulation of the needle. That all that cognizance perception of all of those faculties, each one of them can be engaged with through a physical manifest, a physical manipulation of the needle that doesn't arise from any proscribed three down, three up, deep, you know, superficial, deep, superficial, or any of that but actually emerges from within the, the interface of patient and practitioner as a whole mm-hmm. in a total moment comprised of everything that you can be aware of. That's the do- so all of those different aspects are each one of those things is creating a kind of pointillious dilation of the aperture. And within that, you know, the sort of don't be attached to the outcome within that, it's like, can I perceive with as great accuracy as possible, the various dimensions of what's present in this moment and allow the, allow the direction and the intention to arise from within that without the imposition of a will force upon its manifestation so you know because like and and that will force is that's you know that's the whole that's the whole rub like what you do with that will is either that you're exerting it or you're allowing it to be what it is untrammeled by your own directioning you know mm-hmm. provi- provision of direction mm-hmm. and that's kind of the difference between doing and non-doing that's just basically the difference between doing and non-doing so that presence within all of that but also that recognizing that within that there's like this very much like a yang if that present if that present is is described as a yin within that all of the all of the ways in which consciousness can connect to phenomena outside of it is a yang 
movement, right? Consolidate it and it will mm-hmm. grow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, so like that. So then it grows very organically. And what's happening in that is, is that within that network, which, which I, you know, within that mycelial networking, there are avenues of new growth mm-hmm. that develop like neural pathways that le- that then literally develop as neural pathways right. of possibilities, which also are infused with, you know, if we're present to all of those things, we're also present to an expression of time, which breaks out of linearity, which means that some of those dendrites draw in and the needle connected to those dendrites somehow draws in future self into the template of this moment. And like, that's, you know, if somebody comes in with an upper respiratory infection, a wind cold, you know, a Tyong invasion, and you're telling me that you're not trying to take what's present right now in that noisy nose and dry retching and stiff nape and you're not trying to make contact with the future self that's free of those symptoms and just draw it into this moment i like that that's what i'm talking about Mm -hmm. and then it's like as i reflect on that i reflect that you know that's and that's why I love the Shang Hun Lun so much, and that's why I love the kind of chi dynamic approach to the six confirmations because it mirror it's the very organization of that mirrors the drawing of the future into it. It mirrors the same kind of like you know my view of the six confirmations is like okay everything's everything all of the time. Right, like ministerial fires everywhere. It's not just a Shaoyang thing. Mm-hmm. So I have somebody, you know, somebody says to me like, "Oh, everybody knows that in a Taiyang invasion." This was literally somebody said this to me like, "Everybody knows that in a Taiyang invasion, you have to clear cold from the Taiyang channel, and that's very different from the process of in Shaoyang. Everyone knows that you're clearing heat from the Shaoyang channel," and I'm like. No, that's not quite it. <laughs> right? Like if you if that's your view, then how do you not recognize that the sun emerging over the horizon is Shaoyang also? And that the that the sun at noon is Taiyang as well. And is the sun different? Its placement is different, but its quality is not different. Our perception, our phenomenological experience of it changes. Mm-hmm. It's you know yada yada. That's a good yada yada though. We might, <laughs> that's an important yada yada. Well, but it's also fascinating too because on the one hand, no, the sun doesn't change, but on the other hand, the sun is constantly changing. Right. Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like that, and this is one of the things that I love about the Tao Te Ching and about Schwanza is this like. I mean, and Whitehead for that matter, is this, you know, sort of relational processual orientation to experience where it's like, no, it's just not things in space, right? I mean, you've listened to some of our podcasts. I babble about this all the time, but it's like, it's because it's just such a powerful 
understanding to keep coming into relationship with where, you know, I think if I can be so bold, one of the main problems of the human project is that we just keep trying to grasp onto shit and say that it's like this. Yeah. yeah. Right. And if, if the more comfortable we can get with the fact that it's by the time there is the observation that it's like anything, it's already not because it's, mm-hmm. it's transformed into something different, sometimes very subtly and sometimes not so subtly at all. But that, that, you know, I mean, when we, again, to reference something that's a, a lot in pop science, but I think still is we haven't really internalized yet is like, you know, when we look at the structure of an atom, we're still mostly thinking of it like, you know, balls flying around this kind of like a solar system but even like the solar system we tend to think of it mind's eye yeah exactly (laughs) right it's like it's just a bunch of ping pong balls like you know and like they're either on wires or they're on strings and like everybody's in a particular place and they're all solid in terms of their boundaries you know but it's like that does not seem to be the case right that all of those things that apparently are a something are a movement and a process and some kind of, you know, to check Whitehead's work again, like prehension, some kind of feeling with mm-hmm. that's happening with all of all of the aspects of the ecology of this society that we think of as an atom, mm-hmm. right? Which is the fundamental, quote, building block, right, of material reality, but it's not a block and it's not mm. built it's an organic process. Mm-hmm. It's got these kinds of systemic vibratory, you know, it's a dance, right? It's an ever transforming relational dance. And that is the unit, still not a great word, but it's English. So I don't really have another word <laughs> that is, is the, you know, if we're going to break things down, we have to break them down into smaller and smaller relationships, smaller mm-hmm. and smaller movements, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's, it's, you know, it's movements all the way down, right? It's right. feelings all the way down, right? Right, and it's feeling, and 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 it's allowing the the feeling with to become becoming. With. Yes, yes, which is embedded and inherent within the feeling and the movement, right? Because it is, it is a being and a becoming, right? Right at at every mm. level and every scale. So that's what. So that's why. I like to dis- I like to talk about the gesture. Um, I I like to d- uh, dial all that down into the gesture, which is mm. that quality of movement as becoming. Mm. Um, like I like I I I ref I like love the I love the work of Tim Ingold, the an anthropologist mm-hmm. um, working in working in. Um, animist animist relational ontology fields um mostly in mostly in circumpolar regions i i'm pretty sure mm-hmm. um and that just how he just dis- how in he has a paper where he just describes like well he wrote a book about lines as those as those prehensions and processual mm. qualities mm-hmm. You know, and we have this vision of the we have this vision of 
ourselves as balls rolling around. And, you know, first we have a division of a vision of ourselves as these discrete entities. Then we get a vision of them rolling around and that seems like progress. And then all of a sudden you realize the, it's a it's a it's a ball of string and it, it's a like you know it's like a massive ball of string and where do you start to work around those interconnections that it's expressing right because it's entirely distributed movement <clears throat> um, anyway I'll send you a link to that yeah that sounds great <clears throat> yeah it's awesome so you were saying. <laughs> exactly i think that I was, was the yada yada wasn't that, that was the yada yada, yada. we were, yeah. we were <laughs> riffing on the yada yada into the you know constant Asterisk. movement of yin to yang and yang to yin and mm. um so you teach at numo <laughs> right well we right let's uh who are you yeah um, yeah so <laughs> I teach, I teach at NUNM. Okay. I teach in the, I te- I am actually, this is, this is new. I'm an associate professor in the college oh. of classical Chinese medicine at the national university of natural medicine in oh. Portland, Oregon. Awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. And uh, it, I let, let me ask here. a clarification question. It's new that you're the associate professor. It's new that there is now a classical college of Chinese medicine. <laughs> oh, no, no. It's new. It's the associate professor thing is, is new. Cool. Congratulations. Um, and, and it involved, and it involved, and I was a little bit overdue, actually, for that promotion, as, as it turns out. Because you have to prepare like a m- major portfolio mm, for yeah. that rank, you know, just as wow. you would in any other kind of academic environment. And okay. that's part of the part of the beauty of NUNM is that at least as a teacher, it's it's a truly academic environment with and yet and yet, right, is totally open to. It's similar to in in the Republican era, right? They were in China. They were establishing colleges of Chinese medicine. This is described in in Volker Scheid's book, mm-hmm. Currents of Tradition, right? Like they were establishing these colleges, but within the college, you could still kind of take a lineage. Mm. And that's where you know Doctor Shen to Doctor Hammer. Doctor Shen took his education in that kind of a setting, married into the family of the major players in those colleges in Shanghai, one of those colleges in Shanghai. And then the, and then, you know, Dr. Hammer was a student of Dr. Shen. And then I I had the opportunity to study with Dr. Hammer for the last 20 years. Um, And so part of that model is preserved at NUNM in a very unique way. Mm. And at the same time, like I could say, you know, I have academic freedom there. I have like literally that the ideas of that the the useful ideas of the of academia are present within this model, like academic freedom. Like mm-hmm. I can teach the Shanghan Lun the way I want to teach it, and I don't need to have a textbook that's geared towards passing the exam to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know that's quite profound. 
so anyway, part of that, part of that process of going for that, uh, promotion, I guess you'd say is, was that I had to sit down and reflect on and produce evidence of my pedagogy, Mm. you know, and make a statement about it. What did it, what is it? Mm -hmm. And how am I enacting that? And can you prove that you're enacting that? Um, so that being said, the other beauty of it is that it's not just that circumscribed project. It's also, it's not just the circle of that circumscribed academic project. It also is infused with the line of flight represented by genuine lineage mm. in Chinese medicine mm-hmm. and, and principled lineaged connection to the tradition through human relationships. Mm. Mm-hmm. Now that is something I hear that that is definitely part of your story. Are you making a broader statement about that at NUNM or well, is so, that, you know, I'm saying that I'm saying that as you, as many know, this program within the naturopathic school was founded by Heiner Fruhoff. Yeah. Mm. And his perception, his vision of what it means to practice in a with a classical view, a classical orientation guides which includes lineage, which profoundly includes the concept of lineage provides the provides the the template and is a really important part of you know and there could be varying you know varying traditions mm-hmm. like that that for example so Heiner could see that there was real human lineage within what I was doing and that's like in my fingertips through the Shenhammer pulse diagnosis Mm-hmm. and the and the whole of what comes through that practice um and could see how that conforms to a vision of what constitutes classical as well as being f- focused on the texts that we know comprise record that view you know, I think that's the meaning of classical. And then there's varying degrees of how intensely are you engaged with that, with those texts. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you guys have uh, a set of texts that you consider part of the canon? Because as I'm sure you know, different folks parse what yeah. what belongs in the classics in different ways, right? Uh-huh. Well, so there's classics and then there's pre-modern as it happens. So, um, which is one distinction that we could make, which is a distinction that people weren't making that much. You know, there was like, there's TCM and then there's pre TCM and that's all classical. Right. Um, that's a long time. (laughs) Like that's an attitude, but that's an attitude that I think was current when I was kind of like Mm. in, in, in the late nineties studying, you know, beginning to study Chinese medicine. Mm. Um, Okay, so at any rate, at any rate, I think that the closer we are to the Han and the Tang, 
the better in mm-hmm. terms of um, that canon. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, what constitutes that canon. And so you end up with uh, your Bun Sao being the Shunnong Bun Sao Jing. You mm-hmm. end up with, oh, I'm going to look that up in the Shuo and Jiezi. You end up with the Dao De Jing and Zhuangzi and the Huainanzi. Mm-hmm. And you end up with the Shan Hanlun. And you end up with the Suwen and the Lingshu. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, one of the, one of the parts of this, one of the parts, one of the aspects of making that portfolio was I also had to look back at like, okay, what, you know, how, how, really examine my thinking. And I realized like how, basically I realized how much non-jing there is in my thought process. <laughs> right. And like, mm. like there's so much non-jing in my thought process. I, I'm kind of like, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but, um, yeah. And so I happened to have made, I ha- I made this, I, I gave this year, I gave an, a lecture on solely on acupuncture, um, and went into all of those avenues, explored all of those avenues. Like, how can I dial back what I think about something to a text and connect it back to that, you know, repatriate it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a very valuable exercise. Um, did you guys record that? I was going to say to you, that sounds great. Yeah. Right. Well, it's, so it's somewhere, someone has that recording. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> I can't remember where I taught it actually. Oh, okay. Um, I could, I mean, it would just take, I just have to look at my calendar to figure out which, where I was teaching. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We can table that, but I would definitely love to hear that lecture. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have the PowerPoint. I can send you the PowerPoint. Sweet. That'd be great. Um, So, yeah, well that's, so that's, that's a bit, that's a lot of what is so amazing about NUNM. Mm. is that every single one of my colleagues there is engaged in their own but similar process of mm-hmm. of striving to understand on a of re, what I you know the the traditional learning and teaching is not to go from this thing to the next thing to the next thing it's to go back to the same thing and go deeper Mm-hmm. each mm-hmm. time yeah mm-hmm. and and that i think is what characterizes all of my colleagues there is just going deeper and deeper into an actionable understanding of these texts and, and just to we be also, clear actionable in this case clinical efficacy right, uh absolutely okay, cool okay. just making absolutely. sure we're thinking in the same lines yeah clinical efficacy yeah so yeah that's why i'm here that's and i love it it sounds phenomenal it does yeah sounds amazing and it's unique it's a unique it's a very unique program are you guys doing a, a doctoral track at all or so we have we're the first profet you know they're they've transitioned to the first professional doctor oh yeah but at least what's that like because so far so So, yeah that's another aspect is one of the things that characterizes 
the hours of that program, you know, the increase in hours for that program, which wasn't actually much of an increase of hours for us, is classical texts, is the classical texts series. And that is, I've literally had moments where I'm teaching second year students pathology, which is ironically non-pathologizing as I teach it. Um, (laughs) But the pathology... um, and they're like, wait a minute, you know, I just translated that in class this week. And that's not what this, te- that's not what that character means. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, you're right, actually. <laughs> that's um, awesome. Like that's, ha- that's happened more than once. And then it's all, and then also like situations where it's like, oh, well, such and such professor so-and-so says that this means that. And I'm like, well, I think it means this. And that's cool. You know, that's it's great. like. That's that's the other aspect of it is how could you you have your cl- clinical efficacy is profoundly expanded by being infused with multiple approaches to the same text and then as you move into your intern year suddenly realizing that in any given situation this is coming through and connecting to that experience or that is coming through and connecting to that experience. And this is what I, and therefore I know that I need to do this in this way, or I need to do this in that way. And it's, that's one of the other beauties of being in a teaching role is to watch, to observe that happening, Mm. to see that, to see that happen for students where they move through this morass of like, I don't know anything. And then all of a sudden they're like, Oh, I know. I don't know anything because I have so many different viewpoints competing. As soon Mm. as they stop trying to put that into a unified field theory of where everything fits into a box, a box and get into and start practicing all of a sudden, all of that stuff is emerging from within them. I think that that changes when you, when you stop focusing on the test. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, it's like, you know, uh, Bob Flaws put out this Pulse book decades ago, and his central premise was, look, memorize the descriptions of the pulses, and then you can describe them. And, like, you know, that's not untrue. Right. That's sure. totally not untrue. Sure. Um, it's just like the thing which with, I know happens to Lucas, and I'm going to guess Brant happens to you too, when somebody comes in and they've gone through like all of the iterations of the Western medical process, and you ask them how they are, and they tell you a bunch of words, many of which are in Latin, mm-hmm. that has mm-hmm. nothing to do with their experience. Right. You know, And then you ask them again, and then they tell you another set of words. They're like, right, what I, what, that's awesome. Thank you. What I really want to know is how you are in this moment and how you feel. Mm-hmm. And then there's mm-hmm. crickets uh-huh. often, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> at first, at least. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like, yes, those are great words. And sometimes those descriptions even might point us in a direction of something that is useful to consider, but they are just descriptions, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, if you have shoulder pain and someone tells you you have shoulder pain, like, okay, Yes that yeah. you know it's it's gets us this far cervicalgia it's what mm-hmm. 
I have cervicalgia. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> What's the one I just learned? The the tension myositis? Yes, yes. That's a Oh my goodness. That's a I actually have to say, I actually have to say though. Mm-hmm. John Sarno MD coined the term tension myositis. Oh, was it him? Oh, there you yeah. go. Yeah. Um author of Dr. Sarno, author of Your Back Pain, as well as Heal Your Back Pain, <laughs> as well as This Is Your Back Pain, the tension underlying your back pain. Anyway, mm-hmm. you know, it's like exactly that. You can't, you can't deny, oh my God, I, 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 I do have tension in my body. Totally. <laughs> like, <"Whoa>, yeah. What? <laughs> and, uh, um, that being said, though, when I encountered that tension myositis thing, I was like, wow, that's really fascinating. Just at the level of it helped me to understand within within the Shenhammer model, one of the peculiar things that we do is treat the sequelae of trauma. Uh, what my friend Ross Rosen wrote a book called Heart Shock and what oh, yeah. what we call in this, in the Shen Hammer tradition, heart shock, which is trauma. And one of the approaches that we adopt to that is the use of Yunnan Baiao together with Shung Mai San. Mm. And I have, I have had, I have had so many profound cases that were treated like that. Like, for example, I don't, have any degree of specialization in fertility. And in fact, if patients get pregnant, I refer them to someone with much more ample experience in pregnant, in working with patients, pregnant women. Mm -hmm. Um, People, pregnant people. And Every person that's come to me complaining of an inability to conceive who ha- happens to have had had a profound traumatic experience, and almost every one of them I have treated with some iteration of Shung Mai San, and every one of them has conceived within a cycle or two. Oh my gosh. I mean, it's nutty, and likewise... I've also tr- used that to treat generalized body, Shung Mai San to treat generalized body pain stemming from a similar etiology. And the way I understand that is the lungs face the hundred vessels mm-hmm. and that Shung Mai San is like an infusion of oxygen into the blood and the, and the rhythmic quality of the lung is then the rhythmicity of the lung is then reestablished and mm. therefore the perfusion of that through this, the cardiovascular system has the potential to reach the areas where that tension myositis is causing a cascade of events mm-hmm. like inflammation, like buildup of wastes, like anoxic states, et cetera, et cetera, mm. you know? And, yeah. So yeah. this is interesting, and I am not an herbalist, so you guys can just check me hard if this 
what I'm about to say doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, but what occurs to me, Brant, as I'm listening to you, uh, Lucas, it reminds me of some of our conversations, you and I and Matt, and also you and I and Nigel, when we talked about this question of like, can herbs enter into these spaces, right? That essentially Ed's contention is they can't because that there's certain kinds of bee obstruction and sequestered or latent material that, that leaves the vascularized aspects of the system in such a way that like the herbs can't get there. But then when I hear this, uh, when I hear this, it makes me think about that, right? Because I'm, you know, it's one of these things where it's like, I certainly believe that's Ed's experience and I'm in no way suggesting that he's wrong, right? He, I think he's absolutely right within the framework that he's working in, but I do question it as a broader statement, right? Um, and part of why I question that is, is like, it just strikes me that since we know that nothing is as fixed or bounded as we like to think it is in the system and everything is at some degree of permeable, including like say the vasculature, right? Um, the rivers are, there's, you know, there's, there's fluid that's moving in and out of the vasculature, even though most of it is going through the lumen, it's still trans, uh, transpiring through, through the tissue wall. So I wonder in this, right, with, you know, the lungs facing the hundred vessels or the thousand vessels and the way that this coherent rhythm and oxygen and dare we say Shen, right, or Shen Ming is transmitting through the system, if that wouldn't be, you know, part of on another orientation of the dynamics, right? Trauma tends to stop things and those things often get sequestered and they become obstructions. Mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. so if this is effective, right, then it makes me wonder how broadly it might be effective and whether we're leaning into some of this space where it's like, well, it sort of seems like things can't get unstuck unless we go and unstick them. And then it's like, well, how are we unsticking them? Are we unsticking them, you know, with direct intervention with a needle? Are we unsticking them through moving through, you know, the acting on the permeability of the membrane? I don't know. I'm not making a lot of sense, but it's well, just... <laughs> it's a yes and. It's yeah. a yes and. Oh, which we love. your catchphrase. Back at you. And um, so, that, so again, how, I would also say that one of the other most important formulas that I use is Dongwei Sunitong for that purpose. And it's all about gesture. It's everything mm. is gesture. The movement mm. from... You know, like, so think about, and, and, and also that means sometimes direct intervention at the tissue, at the level of the tissue is paramount and it, and it means that, but it, but how can you explain that Wang Jui's system works too or whatever, right? Like there's, of course, it's all true when it's applied at the right time in the right manner. Right. Right. And so now back to the question of the, of the herbs, as soon as we get out of the notion. So first of all, let's start with acupuncture. 
drop function from acupuncture, right? Don't herbalize acupuncture. Acupuncture is what it is. Amen. Let it be mm-hmm. what it is and mm-hmm. let it have as many forms as is necessary, mm-hmm. you know, which is nine. But anyway, um, <laughs> um, um, so let that be what it is. And let's look at what's vital there. And what's vital there is the appropriate gesture enacted in the proper way in the right place at the right time. Ling Shu chapter one. Mm-hmm. And so does not herbal medicine equally admit of direction and is not, let me just drop that back in, out of the <laughs> negatives, um, right? Herbal medicine has direction. Taste is a manifestation of that direction. Emotion is direction. I have like a, any number of lectures available on YouTube about how emotion is a direction. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all directional qualities of movement. And we can look at one way, and you know, and that's why, that's why the shoe points below the elbows and the knees are so important because they admit of those directional models and they're the place where you're literally acting on the organ via directional influence. Well, herbs, herbal medicine, plants have direction. They have expression that they take morphologically that also always equally expresses their gesture and the direction, their direction. They have different parts, which also express different aspects of direction. There are layers upon layers of direction all the way down. And do we not take substance into our stomach family and transform that into energy and then from energy back into substance? And that is the substance of our flesh. All essences emerge from the stomach. All fluids emerge from the stomach. Mm-hmm. That is a description of the and and that's likened you know that's likened to a spilling out of a spilling out of taste and a spilling out of direction and a spilling out of essence. Which, if not channeled becomes great ruining if a, if followed by cold becomes great ruining but if allowed to properly move around a center which is held properly in tie-in move through the whole system and create the flesh so there's not a single thing that you can act upon that's not in some way a manifestation of direction in matter. And plant medicine has the capacity to also interact with that exact dynamic. And all along the way, you get histological physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual resonances 
all the way through with all of it. Mm. So that's why I would say mm. yes and is a good summary. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's also really important to me to think about the six confirmations gesturally and that those gestures are always happening all the time. The gesture of, um, you know, the gesture of, and also that we can think about things that a lot opens us up to being able to think about, oh, in a Yang Ming condition, I'm not trying to clear heat from the Yang Ming. I'm not trying to do anything other than restore the downward, inward, the appropriate downward, inward movement of Yang Ming. And if I'm giving a formula with that in mind, then I can also enact a similar gesture through the specific manner in which I interact dynamically with the body through acupuncture. And that I'm cognizant of producing a quality of movement and direction within the way that I do the needling. And then things such as the... The, and then how every aspect of that is the number of needles, the place, you know, the, the, the physical location in the body that they're present, the quality of the channel becomes paramount over the quality of the point, the so-called point. Um, and the different layers of things from sinew to extraordinary vessel with C's various C's and even influential points, um, you know, which is a late idea, right. but a valuable one. If you can dial down what it means, um, all influence that directionality as well. Right. Can I rewind a, a second, ask a, a nerdy specific question about, the you say you used Yunnan Baiyao and and Sheng Mai some mm-hmm. sometimes for trauma. Are you talking about physical trauma? Then you'd use Yunnan Baiyao, or well, are you talking about for physical emotional trauma? Okay, and emotional trauma. And, yeah, talk a little more about that. And trauma that could be that could be fifty years old. Really? Yeah. So you know this is this this is a this comes directly from this comes directly from the Shen Hammer model from Dr. Shen and through Hammer. And it's just remarkable. Now, why is it remarkable? Because it's, it's, it's an opening gambit. It bear in mind, it's an opening gambit with global repercussions because all disease comes from the heart is a true is true. And that if you, and if we broaden that out to say that it, it let's say it's the upper burner, Shang Mai San and Yunnan Baiyao are ways of opening the movement of the entire upper burner. Heart, pericardium, lungs. Mm-hmm. And really, let's say if we get to pericardium, pericardium as the upper pole of Jui Yin, liver as the po- lower pole of Jui Yin, we're also incorporating that. And, and straight up, like, that means pulling right all pathology of Jui Yin 
arises as if from its Zhongqi, which is Xiaoyang's ministerial fire. And that means that within, within the Zhuiyin, there is, that one way of saying that is, there's ministerial fire in the blood. Mm. And that's pumping through your body all, all, all over, right? Like everywhere in your body all the time. Mm-hmm. That movement of Zhuiyin within the blood is one of the principal aspects of how wind wood means life expressing itself through the physical. And one of the ways that that animation is really most expressed is through the increasingly complex structures of the cardiovascular system, which admit of paradox. So when we get down to the level of, so when we get down to the level of, um, of that histological exchange, right? We know that that's happening through the, through blood, through blood cells, getting into spaces small enough and moving slowly enough and conforming into a shape capable of penetrating into those arterioles so that that exchange can happen. Mm-hmm. That physical moment is the is the interrelationship between Zhuiyin and Xiaoyang. Right? So Zhuiyin has within the blood, ministerial fire is within the blood. And when that closes and mm-hmm. then open and then pivots via Xiaoyang into a in towards an open state in Taiyang, that is a description of the mo- that one way of describing that is the moment that blood transfers oxygen, neurotransmitters, uh, hormones to tissue, and then, and then in that moment, the ministerial fire starts doing what it does, which is metabolize. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. That's 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 wind wood. That's life manifesting through the physical, and that's and we, if we see that as emerging from the fact that we are comprised as a totality in Xiaoyin. Xiaoyin is a way of describing like a very central aspect of human of being human, mm-hmm. and then that's the imperial fire, which is when it's gone, you're dead. And therefore, mm-hmm. it's the whole of life, and therefore, it's all of the everything between life and death is present in that in a nascent potential state, mm-hmm. and then that emerges into Zhuiyin, and Zhuiyin, Zhuiyin bifurcates and bifurcates and bifurcates into its cardiovascular and neurological patterning, which is a gesture of upward outward movement. Which is also, as it happens, the movement of Guajer. Mm. You know, also a gesture expressed by Guajer, the king of herbs, along with its pal Fuzza, the other king of herbs. Mm. Right, one of which is doing it from Taiyang, and one of which is doing it from Shaoyin, mm, mm, mm. Um, and coursing through all the channels. So when I say the upper burner, I'm holding all of those things that I just said as those are imbuing into the upper burner. 
And in Suwon chapter 39, there's this statement that says, you know, you can have the upper burner becomes impassable. And trauma makes the upper burner impassable. That's the bottom line. Mm -hmm. So we open the aperture of the upper burner and allow the fullness that's constantly becoming and constantly moving from a state of being in Shaoyan to a state of becoming in Jueyin, which which channels the force of that imperial fire into material flesh. Where it's also, it's also connected to the tie-in aspect internally. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? That's built into the formulas. Like Guajir Tong... So right, Dangwe Suni Tong is a is a variation of Guajir Tong. Jurgan mm-hmm. Sao Tong is the last formula in the Taiyong chapter and is also a modification of Guajir Chu Shaoyao. Guajir minus Shaoyao oh, okay. is within Jurgan Sao Tong, and and it's the last chapter in the Taiyong chapter. So that's telling us about how. The heart is is Taiyang within Yang. Is mm-hmm. that statement is embedded within the structure of the Shanghan Lun as we've received it? As our Guajir Gansao, Guajir Gansao Longu Muli, right? Like Lingue Jugantong. Gunwu Tong is in both Taiyang chapter and Shaoyan chapter, right? Like the placement of herbal formulas in that text is important and tells us mm. something mm. so we get back to the yunnan Baiyao and shung mai san which incidentally you add wu wades at a jurgan sao tong and shung mai san's in there you just oh, have okay. to add wu wades a, um and basically all that we're trying to do with those two formulas is at least for me hold that image of all that life expressing itself and open it so that it can circulate to the body Okay, that's all. I thought you were going with that when 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 you got to the uh, to the upper burner, right? You know, trapping of the upper burner. That's where I thought you were going right. with that. So I guess I I never heard a good description of how Yunnan buyout really works because it's a you know mysterious formula. Oh, mysterious. <laughs> so. That's because so it has to be mysterious so that it can draw on the Xuan quality of the kidney the mm. penetrable, unknowable aspect mm. of the kidney mm-hmm. has to be present within, a, a, um, has to resonate with, it, the formula has to resonate with that as well. Mm-hmm. But the fact is, this I can say unequivocally, when I have given that formula to people, when I have given that product to people, they have almost everyone has reported two things. And I experienced this myself too. One is I can feel the blood pumping out of my heart. I can physically Mm. feel as if the blood I can, I feel like I can physically feel the blood pumping out of my heart. Number one, number two, I've had so many memories from my past come up in my mind and yet I'm not attached to them and they just feel like they're just floating out of my body. 
Mm. Literally, I've literally had many people tell me those exact words. And I've also, I also had a funny story was one, I had a patient that came back. I had two, I had a patient that came back first thing in the morning, having taken the unit buyout and said, it was literally one of the most spiritual experiences of my life. It was profound. And I'm like, that's great. Now let's get to work on your pain, you know, like, and then, and then the next patient comes in and they're saying, you know, I think we really need to focus on my back pain. It's like so bad. And we go into that in some depth and the, this patient happened to be like a very, um, very new agey person and, uh, you know, a lot of purple, many shawls and, um, (laughs) and, um, I was like, oh, well, listen, I don't want to say too much, but the last person I gave this formula to had said it was like a really spiritual experience. Nice. Well done. I, so I, and I, and it was also the suitable, it was also a suitable prescription. I had, I suddenly, it dawned Mm -hmm. on me. So I Mm -hmm. gave it to them. So they took it home at night. They took it home and that night they took the red pill. They lit, and they lit candles. They came back, they said, I lit candles. I took a bath and then I lit candles and incense. And then I took the red pill and I laid down on my bed and I fell asleep like immediately. And then I woke up in the middle of the night with like this excruciating pain in my abdomen and I went to the bathroom and passed some black stool and my back pain went away. That's awesome. So it's like, okay, six of one, half a dozen of the other. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's crazy. You know, I've I've heard so many stories around Yunnan Bayou. I love the fact that it's completely secret. mm Mm-hmm. I love that. I think you're spot on. I think you need that. Mm-hmm. It's one of the last, you know, bastions of that sort of like, you know, the mysterious Chinese medicine kind of thing, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And yet not also, right? So Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, we can, we have a lot of guesses, pretty, pretty solid educated guesses uh-huh. what's, what's in it. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I love a story like that. <laughs> yeah. Taryn, you got to get on the herb train. It's too much fun. Yeah, you know, in my spare time, I'll make it happen. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, yeah, I mean, I. it's funny because, it's funny because I, I, I feel like I mostly teach around, I, mostly what I teach is pretty herbal, herbal formula based. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. But it was like I mentioned earlier, it was a really cool thing to think about my, to think about my acupuncture too. Because I, I think that I've produced more, I think I've been part of more profound events via acupuncture than, than herbal medicine. And herbal mm-hmm. medicine's no, no joke in that realm either. But like, right. but the, dy- the dynamism of acupuncture produces such like, you know, you put a stick in the ground, you see the shadow, like that's yeah. how it should be. And when it is, when you, when it aligns in that manner. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to compare. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's pretty it's pretty wild ride. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we typically try to keep these conversations around ninety minutes, and we're kind of coming in, yeah, coming into that mm-hmm. time frame. So I'm wondering, Brant, if there are 
thoughts that you have that that are like landing thoughts, putting a pin in it thoughts, because I'm, I feel confident we'll do this again. But, uh, you know, is there anything either about the work that you're doing now or about kind of, you know, the conversation we've had that feels alive that you want to bring into this conversation before we? Yeah, well, so you nailed it. Alive, the aliveness. Um, that's the that's the crux of it. Like, you know, the thing that's underlying everything that we've talked about, all the different pathways that it's taken is ultimately all we're doing is tending life. And we're trying to be better tenders, more tender tenders, and to recognize that, you know, at times that involves that involves pain that involves like facing into and contacting the pain and being able to hold that and be present to that and to see the life within that Mm -hmm. to see that as a manifestation of life living itself becoming rather than a fixed thing right right and so many so many things are really derived from or behave like fixed ideas. And some of them are connected to directly connected to fixed ideas that we hold mm-hmm. and gaining the capacity to first observe them. That's the quality of the attention and awareness imbuing it, right? Is to place our attention on those things, those areas, the joyful areas, the painful areas, life, death, to recognize that those are both one thing with two poles, like yin and yang is. And then to move beyond placing our attention on it and to allow our attention to emerge from within it. Mm. To learn how to... to learn how to let attention arise from within phenomena and recognize that it's not outside of us, it's inside of us. And if we apply that, and then that, that can be applied to everything. There's nothing to which that cannot be applied. And all of a sudden, this fiction of separation, this story of separation dissolves into just a display of awareness which we can enjoy and appreciate and play with but isn't the life that's emerging from isn't the whole of the life that we can become part of in our becoming so that's kind of like what i'm into yeah man (laughs) (laughs) awesome where i'm surfing right now right and so like yeah herbs don't have anything you know herbal formulas don't have anything to do with that of course they do and so does storytelling and Mm -hmm. so does Mm -hmm. yarning and conversation Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. um i'm just super put a pin in this i'm stoked to have met you Mm -hmm. and like it gives me it's so when I, when I encountered Gebser for the first time, 
I was like, oh my God, this is my experience. He's written out my experience. And literally when I, when I listened to your, your, your Tyson, your inner, your discussion with Tyson, I was like, yeah, these are my people. You know, I like, I was like, holy cow. And, and honestly, that same feeling of just hope Mm. Mm. Mm -hmm. and not getting caught up in all of these, not getting caught up in these boxes and like, not, you know, I don't really, you know, I don't really care what Daniel Schmuckenberger has to say about anything. (laughs) Like, (laughs) There's an organic way. There's like an organic yeah. way. And to and the beauty of how that's expressed through this globalizing medicine that we call Chinese mm. medicine, mm-hmm. which is itself a kind of like emerging becoming. Yeah. And then that's modeled on and then the texts, the classical texts are modeled on that same are expressions of that same fractal emergence. Mm. One of my favorite things that Sean Marshall ever said that I got to hear him say at least was, he's like, you know, it could just as easily be called ambient medicine. Ooh. You know, bracketed, he's, for anybody that's hearing this and thinking it's some derogatory comment about China or Chinese culture, not at all where that's coming from, right? But like, Sean's unpacked observation was like, it's Chinese because it's the Chinese that discovered this particular set of orientations, but why it's ambient is because they discovered it by being a participant observer as one word, right? The within kind of uh, awareness that, that you were just referring to of all of these phenomenon arising, right? And all of these different movements. So it's like, it's not that any culture or orientation or philosophy owns this particular way of exploring and working and knowing it's that this is one of the ways that we can know what is in our gestural participation Mm -hmm. with it as it unfolds. Right. And that, that for me was like, I had a lot of epiphanies when I was in grad school, but that was one of the ones that like, bong, I was like, Oh (laughs) shit. Mm-hmm. That really yeah, changes well, so everything. To, so, not to in any way disparage that statement or disqualify sure. that statement or anything that you said about it. The work now is to recognize how that's been transmitted, literally through lineage from person to person mm-hmm. to person, and to uphold and honor and respect those hum- the humanity of that ambient tending. Totally. Mm-hmm. Sure. And I know I'm, I yeah. know, you know, I know, you know that, but I just no, say that's like, uh, that's like such a critical thing now. I feel like that's so critical for us to also, that's the same thing as the, the, uh, imminent transcendence, right? It, yep. Imminent mm-hmm. and transcendence. It's like, you know what? It's actually human. Go down. And it's, been, mm-hmm. it's, yeah. Yeah. So. I appreciate that. I mean, it's the same thing with martial arts, Mm -hmm. you know, like my teacher always says, you know, there's many styles, there's no style. Mm -hmm. It's like when you get down to it, there's no style. (laughs) When you're in an actual situation, 
There's no style. You bite, you scratch, you punch, you claw. Yeah, well, who's the one that said do? it's like it's all good until somebody's punching you in the face, right? <laughs> yeah, like... yeah, exactly. So, but you know, I think it's important as well to honor the the fact that you know your teacher studied for I don't know wherever you met them in their journey, but more than likely twenty to thirty years, and then you know they're continuing to study, and you know you're uh, they're. Um, uh, a, a sort of funneling or transmutation of their teachers and their teachers and their teachers, you know? So I think it's incredibly important because mm-hmm. you become an iteration of all, all your influences, but it all comes back to that original sort of connection or expression of your, um, your body in space influenced by, you know, the ambient nature. Right. right. So and it's that's that tending, I, that's tending I, to tending, right? And the life force that comes from mm-hmm. that living relationship within the ambient expressed through these particular instantiations of, you know, right. humanness. Mm-hmm. At least mm-hmm. if we're talking about medical lineage, primarily humanness, not that you can't have non-human teachers, right? But Amen to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's mm-hmm. talk about that next Let, time. Let's do it. Oh, yeah. Pin that. Let's yeah. do it. <laughs> All right. Other than human persons. All yeah. about it. definitely yeah and also yeah anyway so we'll put a pin in it and we'll say awesome thank you it's been a total pleasure and this is like just super fun and nourishing awesome yes absolutely deeply deeply nourishing and much appreciated absolute pleasure thank you 